All right, guys, what's up? Um, welcome to the Pro Football Chase podcast on this Monday, May 16th. I'm excited to be joining the podcast again, um, bringing, bringing it to you live here on the call and app. Um, it's been a, <clears throat> a great weekend. I know for me, uh, the Dallas Mavericks won game seven in dominant fashion on Sunday night. So, you know, I'm a happy camper. Big Mavs fan, big Dallas fan, was born in Dallas. All right, so seeing Dallas and Luca and and Dinwiddie and Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith go to work in Phoenix and just absolutely put on a show, um, I think that was that was an incredible feat. I'm excited about it. Now on to the West Finals. Now the uh, the Mavs will go take on the Golden State Warriors. Right, series starts on Wednesday. I know this is a football podcast, but I just couldn't help myself um, trying to express my excitement today and <clears throat> and just talk about how impressive of a win that was for an underdog, the four seed, a team that not many expected to get out of the, the second round against the, the best team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns, right? So again... Needed to start off my podcast showing the Mavs some love. We'll see how they do in the West Finals. Looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a fun, fun matchup. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson against Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson. You know, it's it's definitely going to be a high-scoring affair. A lot of explosive scores, streaky shooters, you name it. And then, of course, in the East, we got the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I'm going toe-to-toe, and and that should be a dandy as well. Game one tomorrow night. Looking forward to watching that one. But let's get to the meat and potatoes. The real reason why we're here on the podcast on this afternoon is is to discuss some of these rookie quarterbacks. Now, NFL safety J.J. Wilcox is scheduled to make an appearance on the show, as he's done the last several weeks. Um, I just decided to start the podcast stream 10 minutes earlier just because I was able to work some things out of my schedule. So I wanted to kind of get a head start. He could potentially be joining me closer to the 1 o'clock time. So we'll see um, if and when he does swing by. But I did want to talk about some of these rookie quarterbacks um, and the chances of them taking over the starting job either before week one or at some point during the regular season. And some names that I want to focus on is Kenny Pickett, who is the only first-round quarterback that was selected. The Pittsburgh Steelers took him. Um, and all signs right now, I mean, it's an open competition between Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. You know, a lot of people forgot that Pittsburgh signed Mitchell Trubisky. We know he was the number two overall pick to the Chicago Bears, Ryan Pace, and that's a main reason why he's out of a job, as is Matt Nagy, is the fact that they – Pretty much put all the eggs in the basket of Mitchell Trubisky, made that big trade up, drafted him second overall in 2017. Things obviously didn't pan out. Mitchell Trubisky um, was smart, signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills last year, spent the entire season backing up Josh Allen, and we know what Josh Allen has developed into, got into that system with Brian DeBall, who is the OC there in Buffalo, obviously now the new head coach of the New York Giants, worked with Ken Dorsey, who was the quarterback's coach there in Buffalo. Um, just a really, really good environment for a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky to develop his game, advance his skills a little bit more, get more familiar, 
in a sense, catch his breath, right? Because he was shouldering a lot in Chicago. I mean, he took a lot of heat and, and rightfully so. He never really quite performed up to the level of being a second overall pick and considering the amount of draft capital that the Bears had given up to go up and get him. You know, the, the label of bust was around him, constant media, you know, interviewing him, asking him what he's doing and how he's going to improve and why he's underwhelming. And so this was a, a year for him to kind of reset himself in the NFL, clear his head, get as far away from Chicago as possible. Um, and sure enough, it looks like it paid off. You know, head coach Sean McDermott, Brandon Beam, the GM for the Bills, they had nothing but positive things to say about Trubisky and the type of professionalism that he showed throughout the entire course of the season, showing up on time, showing up early, getting extra film sessions, doing everything he could to elevate the level of play of Josh Allen, um, showing the, the defense good scout team reps for opponents that they faced. And so in the end, he's rewarded with a nice contract, an opportunity to once again be an NFL starting quarterback. The Pittsburgh Steelers um, signed him in free agency. And then, of course, followed that up, drafting Kenny Pickett, now, the Steelers are an interesting team because they're still in the process of finding their next general manager. Um, and so right now they're, they're doing second interviews. They started the second interviews last week, and they could be very close to hiring their new general manager. Um, I know that there's a, a couple of, of names. Doug Whaley is a name that was interviewed twice. We know Whaley was the former GM of the Buffalo Bills. There's a couple of other intriguing names out there. So... Regardless of, of who is hired as GM, Trubisky versus Pickett, that is going to be uh, the, the camp battle to monitor and watch when Pittsburgh opens up camp at the end of July. And, of course, things are already underway when they get mandatory minicamp started. We'll start to see which quarterback elevates his play to another level. And then um, we'll see when, when the time comes as to who's going to start week one. But as for Kenny Pickett, I think he's got the best chance to be a week one starter because he was a first round pick. And again, coming with uh, the pressure and the um, attraction of a first round quarterback, a team that's looking to replace Ben Roethlisberger, a quarterback that had been there 18 plus seasons. Pickett, as described by is believed to be the most quarterback pro this year's draft class, so that could very well be the case for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see. Time will tell. But that's a situation to monitor now about some of these other rookie quarterbacks, right? Malik Willis with the Tennessee Titans. I think this one is very interesting. Now, I know there's a lot of talk over there in Nashville, and, of course, a lot of the, the media scouts leading up to the draft talked about how Malik Willis um, may need the most – refinement and the most development before he becomes an NFL starter. But the thing that keeps me circling back to Malik Willis potentially earning that starting job is the play of Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill has been very consistent. You know, that type of quarterback, that's not necessarily going to lose you a game. He won't throw two or three interceptions in a game. It's rare. Makes him throw it down the field. Like, I'm not going to shred Ryan Tannehill and say he can't play. I mean, there's a reason why Tennessee 
Um, felt like it was in their best interest to extend him to that big contract and keeping him there as a stopgap quarterback. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Ryan Tannehill is not a good quarterback or an above-average quarterback. But when you look at how Tennessee bowed out of the playoffs last year as the top seed and they couldn't do anything offensively, Ryan Tannehill probably put together one of his worst games of the season on the biggest stage. And that makes me believe that the, the door is cracked open a bit for a player like Malik Willis. If he can showcase development, you know, throughout the summer, I mean, we're in May, they already started rookie mini camp. We're going to have mandatory mini camp. We're going to have training camp in July for multiple weeks. The preseason, of course, three weeks. If Willis can somehow show that he's operating the offense at a higher level with more capability than Ryan Tannehill, then I just can't see how Mike Vrabel can keep Malik Willis on the bench for so long. Now, don't get me wrong. Unless there's a significant injury to Ryan Tannehill in training camp, I do believe that Tannehill will open up as the starting quarterback, and that's not a surprise to anybody. That's the expectation at this point. But I'm going to say Malik Willis by maybe week five, week six, if Tennessee's offense, especially the pass game, and again, this is going to be a challenge because when you trade your number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown and then you go and you use that draft pick you acquired from the Philadelphia Eagles and you take Traylon Burks, who's a very similar bowl, uh, build, I might add, to A.J. Brown, physical, fast game speed. Of course, they acquired Robert Woods in a trade from the Los Angeles Rams for peanuts, which I think that was a fantastic move. Robert Woods is one of the most underrated receivers, underappreciated receivers um, that this NFL has to offer. And, and I interviewed Robert several years ago on my podcast, Pro Football Chase podcast. Great dude, team leader. I mean, when he went down with that torn ACL last year, you could just see the respect oozing out of the team, the coaching staff. I mean, how, how saddened they were to see their brother, you know, get hurt and miss out on that playoff run. But I'm telling you, that acquisition of Robert Woods, you got Traylon Burks, you know, Derrick Henry, of course, coming back fully healthy. I mean, this is a, a Tennessee offense that has the potential to once again be a top 12 offense in the league. I mean, the offensive line, they did cut Roger Saffold. They're going younger. Uh, Nate Davis is still there. Ben Jones is still there. Um, Taylor Lewin is still there. So, so they've kept the main cornerstone pieces intact there in Tennessee. And so their DNA, they still very much want to be a run first team because when you pay, you know, Derrick Henry and he's your workhorse, you're definitely going to want to give him his 25 or 30 touches in a game that eats the clock. You start to be physical, you wear down opposing defenses. So I don't see any of that changing in Tennessee. Um, and I do think Tannehill obviously is going to have some some potential success when it comes to getting the ball out to Woods and getting the ball out to Traylon Burks. But with Malik Willis, he may elevate the ceiling for the Tennessee Titans and what they're able to accomplish when the playoffs come. And so I'm just saying, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Malik Willis taking over the reins in Tennessee by week six, week seven, if the offense and that passing game is just uh, dutting out and teams are just starting to load the box and take away Henry and their stagnant offense. 
Do not discount Mike Vrabel, his aggressive style as a coach. He will put whoever gives him the best chance to win, regardless of what the circumstances are, which is what makes Ryan Tannehill's um, starting status, I think, unstable. You know, so keep an eye on that. That's what I'll have to say about Malik Willis. By all accounts, looks like he's, of course, wowed the the coaching staff with some of those um, eye-popping throws down the field. The kid's got immense arm talent. It's really just about dialing him in, getting him to focus more on his accuracy on intermediate routes, and then, of course, learning the entire playbook, the game of the NFL, the playing speed. So he's got a lot to learn. But I'm definitely, as an NFL fan, very excited and intrigued to see what Malik Willis can do in that system, especially when you already have a guy like Derrick Henry that can take a lot of pressure off a quarterback's shoulders. So that's Malik Willis, another quarterback here that maybe has a chance um, to, to win the starting job week one. I'll say week one in this situation um, it's Matt Corral with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I know they didn't take him to the third, what, third, fourth round. They do have Sam Darnold. Word on the street is that Carolina is still open to the idea of adding a veteran quarterback, so they could add more to that um, Panthers quarterback room. But Matt Corral, I mean, the kid clearly has talent. I mean, I know there are some things about his character during the pre-draft process, about his willingness to learn, about his maturity as a quarterback. But when you watch his film at Ole Miss, you know, in that Lane Kiffin-style offense, that spread type, I mean, the guy could spread it around with the best of him in the nation. And so when you're Carolina, you have your backs up against the wall. You're kind of looking at the landscape of who you have at quarterbacks. Sam Darnold's there, who clearly underwhelmed last season. That's why they brought in Cam Newton late into the year, trying to give that offense some spark. And mind you, I do think they're still keeping dialogue open with Cam Newton, right? So that just goes to show you that they are nowhere near satisfied, and it's a work in progress at the quarterback position. But I'll tell you one thing, and Matt Corral can go in in, in rookie minicamp, in mandatory minicamp, and training camp, and the preseason. If he can go in there with the right mindset, with the ability to learn, with the ability to adapt to the new play system, and, and really earn the trust and respect of his, of his teammates, of his coaching staff. I mean, make no mistake about it. I think he can win the starting quarterback job for the Carolina Panthers week one. And, of course, the bar is not too high, right? Sam Darnold clearly has shown that he is not the long-term solution um, for Carolina. And I don't think it's going to be all that difficult for Matt Corral to beat out Sam Darnold. Now, if they add another piece, say if they go out and they acquire Jimmy Garoppolo from the Niners, or maybe they call the Browns and end up working out a deal with Baker Mayfield, although owner David Tepper said post-draft post, uh, that they're pretty set at the position, right? We know in the NFL, acquiring new pieces is an everyday process, and so if they do potentially pull the trigger on a veteran quarterback trade, then, of course, the chances of Corral starting week one – um, they significantly diminish. But I, I think if they enter training camp with Sam Darnold and Matt Corral being their two best options, I would probably put money on Matt Corral to win that job over Sam Darnold. Just because Sam Darnold, while yes, he does show some flashes, Matt Corral, his upside 
what he can do with the ball. He's kind of got that gunslinger mentality. Now, that could come back to bite him in the NFL if he's con- continually making those aggressive throws down the field, potentially forcing throws in tight windows. Those NFL DBs, linebackers, I mean, they'll make him pay and suffer for it, but he's not afraid to throw the ball and stretch defenses out. And Carolina has the weapons in place with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Um, these, these are receivers that can go out and get you a thousand yards. And DJ Moore, one of the most underrated receivers, again, got that big extension this offseason. And so, you look at, at the makeup and, and Ian Thomas bringing him back on a multi-year deal. Christian McCaffrey now is fully healthy. That's another um, chess piece in the backfield. We know the type of um, pass-catching ability that McCaffrey brings to the table. So I think Matt Corral um, could very well take over things in Carolina should they opt to enter training camp with Darnold and Corral. Now we'll see. They are still landing spot. There's some 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 – Chatter going around league circles that they could still go after Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Baker Mayfield, but time will tell. Um, another rookie quarterback out there that could position himself, um, into maybe a starting job at some point. I would say late in the year of anything. Um, Desmond Ritter. Um, we know that Ritter was a fantastic, productive player. For the Atlanta Fal- uh, not for the Atlanta Falcons, but for the Cincinnati Bearcats, um, and and what he's able to do, and I think a lot of people in, in the pre-draft process were very, very impressed with Desmond Ritter, his character, his moxie, win and be a, a, a leader of men, you know. And I think character speaks volumes, and so far. The reviews out of their rookie minicamp this past weekend, team, the, the team officials love him. You know, I think Desmond Ritter has been um, very impressive so far. And so when you're the Atlanta Falcons, you're adding pieces to the puzzle. And I see J.J. Wilcox is joining the show now. He just needs to unmute himself. I'm talking about Desmond Ritter um, right now and his ability to win the starting job week one. And so I think mm-hmm. now I see J.J. unmuted. What's up, J.J.? How you doing? Hey, what's going on? Not too much. Sorry about the delay. Hey, man. It's all good, bro. It's all good. I'm glad you're able to join me uh, on this Monday afternoon podcast. But, uh, yeah, man, just, just chatting about some of these rookie quarterbacks, bro. And and, and I know I, I talked Matt Corral. I talked uh, Kenny Pickett. Now I'm talking Desmond Ritter um, mm-hmm. about what he can accomplish and maybe uh, push Marcus Mariota for the starting job. So, Desmond Ritter, we know he was at Cincinnati. He did um, an immense job there for that program. What do you like about Desmond Ritter and his playing style? Yeah, I didn't know. Um, the last year and a half or so, um, I've been taking a lot of notice to Des- Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's got good size, 6'3", 211, ran a good 40. Um, good. He got all the attributes, make all the throws. I was more impressed with his deep throws, deep ball. Um, from a guy that was kind of built and kind of labeled as a scrambler, he has a very, very strong and, and a good touch on the deep ball, which is very impressive for a rookie to be on a consistent basis. So I went back and watched some film last night and watched a little bit of highlights and stuff this morning as well. And, and um, even some of the reviews from training rookie training camp, like he's doing a great job. So I think he's his his ceiling is very, very um, is open right now. And um, he's going into a good program. They they got some big targets coming to him. 
And I think that's key and um, very helpful for a young rookie coming to the league. And also, um, JJ, you know, there in Atlanta, Arthur Smith, the head coach who was hired before last season, I mean, he worked with Marcus Mariota. And Mariota and Desmond Ritter have a very similar... And so, New Desmond Ritter, I think you have the, the perfect mentor there in Atlanta and Marcus Mariota to kind of help his developed quarterback. And so, I think it's all in a JJ. I think it's a great situation for Desmond Ritter to really grow and prove himself as a player. Right. And I think so, too. Um, like I said, you have a office coordinator that's that's friendly for you and your type of style. His name is the first time that he's seen it. He uh, Let's not get Marcus Mariota put up some good numbers coming into his uh, first first couple of years into the league with Tennessee. He, 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 led, him, he led him pretty far and, and we did a great job with that, too. So, you know, it's all about just getting in the right system and, and, a, and a right program that fits your skill set. And I think Arthur Smith is probably one of the best selections for, for what he has with a young quarterback and similarities to Marcus Mariota. Now, J.J., being an NFL safety, been, being in the uh, professional football league for many years, I mean, as a defensive back, you're constantly reading these quarterbacks. You're looking at uh, mm-hmm. any potential tells that they can give you, where their eyes at. You know, I, and mm-hmm. I know speaking to some quarterbacks, I mean, it, it's a tough position to play. You really have to be on your P's and Q's, your awareness. you got to know the playbook. But in your opinion, J.J., what makes a young quarterback thrive in the NFL? What type of skill set do they need to possess in order to have any form of success there in the big leagues? Yeah, you have to have a quick memory. I think in the NFL, I think a lot of guys try to go in and be perfect and don't want to make any mistakes, but uh, it's the nature of the game. Um, if you look at uh, Joe Burrow, he was ice cold. His first first couple of years, first year or two in the league, and he just didn't get rattled. And I think that is a trait that's hard to find in young quarterbacks because they want to come in. They're under so much pressure and scrutiny. But I think a good quarterback is a guy that can go out there and go through three, one, two, and three. Uh, if it's not there, check it down or make something happen with his leg. Because, you know, I think that's something that make it hard for uh, defensive guys, especially for secondary guys. I definitely say um, if he can know how to move his eyes and move his safety, uh, first pre-snap recognition is key. Um, and I think, you know, we try to make it hard as we can disguise-wise for rookies just because we know it's going to be a second or two later than a guys like Aaron Rodgers that might know exactly what you're in before you even do it. So I say pre-snap recognition is key for rookies. I also think being able to get to that second and third, um, third second and third key and uh, progression and then also just having just having poise back then the quarterback. Um, and back there in the huddle, controlling the huddle and small things like that, I think that can take a build a confidence quick in a rookie to know that, hey, I can go out here and get this done if he get those box checks early on. Absolutely. Now, JJ, I'm I'm gonna ask you this because I know um you you were a, a cowboy and you're mm-hmm. in Dallas for several years and, and one of the I feel like most scrutinized quarterbacks, and I know it comes with being the quarterback of America's team, right? But Dak Prescott, right? He, he gets a lot of flack from people, you know, fourth round pick out of Mississippi State. 
Um, the Cowboys obviously paid him very well. And I think right as he was entering uh, the league, I think that's when your stint in Dallas was coming to an end. But when you look at Dak Prescott, right, and his development coming in as a fourth-round pick, doing what he was able to do, taking over the starting job, now he's, you know, in a, a really good starter in the NFL. Mm-hmm. What, are your, what are your thoughts on Dak, J.J.? I mean, do you think this guy um, still has more – potential to tap into do you think he's maxed out as a player like what are your what's your diagnosis on his level as a signal caller right now right I got a chance to see Dak before anybody else really knew who Dak was you got to think my last year in Dallas was his rookie year here and um this guy he just came in we knew it was going to be great because we knew we had Romo coming back from his back surgery and uh, we had a lot of key pieces coming back, too. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I think Romo went down at camp. And those guys came in and did exactly what they expe- I say expe- expe- exceeded expectations, him and Zeke, both as rookies. But uh, Dak is a competitor, man. And, and if you have you ever seen that or ever witnessed that, he is a competitor. Um, and I think that as a quarterback, that is a key point. I think Dak also can make great throws throughout the field, on make every throw on the field. Um, he's very timed. He's very precise. He's very, um, when I say, uh, when he gets back to his fifth and sixth and seventh step, he knows exactly where his ball is going. And he's going to put it exactly there. Um, the difference between him and Romo, I think Romo was a little bit more advanced as reading, but that came with time as he gave his players, such as Dez Brown, a lot more 50-50 balls than Dak do. Um, but overall, I think Dak is still a winner. I think Dak is still a great quarterback. I put him in a great – he'll be like a great system quarterback, um, a guy that can drop back, make reads, uh, hand the ball off 20 to 25 times to kind of make the play action develop for him. But um, I think Dak still hasn't res- hasn't reached his potential, and I think um, he's still growing and learning. But um, I still think he's a great player, and I think highly of Dak. And I think it's just a matter of time, and gets a couple more pieces away from getting to that um, that championship. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I'll tell you what, JJ, as as a, as a Dallas kid, man, you know, I'm waiting for that next Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it gets there, man. But um, my next topic, and, you know, we, we did talk a little bit. I, I want to hear your, your quick thoughts on Kenny Pickett. I talked a little mm-hmm. bit about him when I started the podcast. He was the only quarterback that went in round one this year. Coming from Pittsburgh University, he goes in a situation where the Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky in free agency. They're going to give mm-hmm. him every opportunity to win the starting job. They draft Pickett in the first round, trying to give that – um, quarterback battle in training camp to see who can win. Um, do you think Kenny Pickett has a realistic chance to win that starting job ahead of week one over Trubisky? Um, I think Trubisky is the guy, but I don't think it's, it's, it's solely sold to him yet. I think it's still a couple of, you know, how would he do coming into a new system? How would he do get to learn and adapt to his new environment? Because Pittsburgh is a lot different. You know, it, it, it gets cold. It gets a lot of wind, a lot of winds and different stuff. I know he played in Buffalo and it was it was cold up there. But, you know, to finally be the signal caller and the guy behind the brains of the offense a little bit. Will kind of be like a 1A, 1B. I, I definitely do. I think he's going to get in there. He's going to get a good shot at. He's going to play a lot of preseason to see where he stands. 
And I, I think if, you know, Mitch goes in and, and doesn't fill out the expectation that they have for him and know the capability that he did towards the end once uh, Josh Allen got hurt a little bit, um, I think it's 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 a it's a it's a free ride for Kenny to get in there and to show what he can do and and maybe like game three or four, you know, become a starter. You know, if, if Mitch don't hold up or or hold up to his end. Yeah, man. Well, like I said, I, I do think um, Kenny Pickett has shown the most consistent um, consistency. I might add of quarterbacks in this year's draft class, and so I think that Trubisky Kenny Pickett training camp battle, especially as they go into the preseason. I think it's going to be pivotal to see um, which guy can rise. You know, can Mitch fend off uh, Kenny Pickett and Mm -hmm. um, just how that offense is going to look, you know, when you move on from a veteran quarterback like Big Ben that's been there for 18-plus years, you know, it almost feels like you're leaving a crater behind. And so we'll see which guy is going to be the one um, to rise to the occasion and really take the reins of that starting job in Pittsburgh. But um, shifting gears a little bit in the NFL, J.J., you know, uh, you know more than anybody else that the NFL is a business and, and there's always transactions, there's always player acquisitions, there's always signings. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a pretty, pretty notable signing last towards the end of the last week. And that was uh, Jarvis Landry going mm-hmm. back home to Louisiana, signing with the New Orleans Saints. Um, and this is after they brought in another uh, Louisiana native in Tyron Matthew. And we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. his acquisition but man, JJ, the Saints look like they're 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 knocking it out of the ballpark in terms of bringing in guys that are leaders that can make an impact in the locker room, but also um, can still produce on the field. Yeah, the Saints, man, I, I don't think they're wasting no time, and I think that you get what they're trying to do off the bat here, and in the acquisitions that they made this for agency. Tyron Matthew was a huge pickup. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins were left a hole there that was uh, very noticeable in the secondary. But with Honey Badger coming right there, I think there would be no drop off from him. Um, Landry's um, coming off a situation where he was a key target for a while and was um, in some, I would say, some up and down situation. Quarterback Baker was getting hurt here and there. Backup guys coming in, run game was kind of falling off, but they always had a good defense in Cleveland. So, um, I think it's be it's gonna be it's a great situation for Landry. He don't have to go in to be the number one guy. Um, he can go in there and 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 go with his strengths is, is which is going against the slide and going against your slot cornerbacks and and you know running those great routes in between those slots, which has helped Jameis out a lot. You know coming off you know if Michael's not there and the, the the rookie from Ohio State's not there, then you got a almost another All Pro uh, Pro Bowler in the slot right there. So. Um, the Saints is going to be a team to watch. Uh, I'm definitely see how yeah, they're going to jail together. Fun, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, man. Now you got Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. You got Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's got some of those legal things. He's still sorting out through um, from from that incident at the Pro Bowl. We'll see what his status is for Week One. But that's an explosive looking team there in New Orleans, especially if Jameis Winston. Um, can bounce back from that season-ending ACL. I think they're a team that definitely is going to be fun to watch and a lot of talent accumulating on that roster. But uh, another uh, veteran free agent found a home, and Melvin Ingram is signing with Mm -hmm. the Miami Dolphins, uh, one of the most well-seasoned edge rushers in the game right now. And uh, he now heads to Miami. And I'll tell you what, J.J., the Dolphins, they have been one of those teams that have been ultra-aggressive in free agency, in trade acquisitions, going after Tyreek Hill, 
you know, and throwing money around, of course, giving Xavier Howard that new big deal. Um, mm-hmm. So Mike McDaniel, their new head coach, coming over from San Francisco, he was their uh, offensive coordinator. They're really trying to uh, solidify that roster. And so Melvin Ingram, again, another high-quality veteran that I think is going to be able to make an impact there in Miami. Right, right. And that is a great pickup. Melvin, Melvin put a play to over at Kansas City, all as well as the Chargers as well. He was very noticeable. I played against him. Um, very good pad level, very good with his hands, very consistent at getting to the quarterback, if not rushes and hurries, sacks. See what Melvin going to do. That was a great pickup. Veteran guy that has playoff experience and that could maybe shape this team and give that, that Miami the extra punch that they need coming off the edge. Absolutely. Now, J.J., we know the uh, big schedule release was uh, put on display last Thursday. All the NFL games announced, you know, all the hype. And at this point in May, you know, us football fans, we're just craving any sense of NFL news. And so there is some excitement with some of these matchup announcements. But um, things are going to kick off the 2022 season the opening game on Thursday night is going to be the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. That's going to be a massive matchup to kick things off. What excites you about that matchup? Um, uh, Von Miller get to get play against his old team. I think that's one that stuck out to me. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's going to be a great reunion. Um, I don't know how that would be for Von. I guess he got a Super Bowl, so I guess it's a win-win situation for both. But it would be interesting to see that. I want to see some of the pieces. Uh, they don't have no Cole Beasley coming back from Buffalo. Um, the run game was coming on pretty decent. I want to see I want to see Buffalo be able to um, to raise that up this year in, in the run attack. But um, Matthew Stafford coming back with Allen Robinson and a couple key pieces coming back for him on, on the offensive side. The defense is always with solid with Raheem Morris at D.C. Um, it's going to be a great – I think it's going to be a great defensive battle. Um, Buffalo Bills secondary is pretty strong as well. They added the corner as well. Uh, Tredavis White, they hit get him back off of ACL last year. Um, the two safeties, Power, Hyde, and, and the Poirier, they, they're great at what they do. And so I think that that's a great defensive game um, starting off this NFL season. And then, of course, you got Tremaine Edmonds, who's there in the middle, mm-hmm. linebacker. Matt Milano, who's another overlooked linebacker. So I agree with you, man. I'm looking forward to seeing how those two teams, and they're both very physical teams as well. Um, right. I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up. But, J.J., Dallas Cowboys, man, they're opening up mm-hmm. with the Tom Brady Buccaneers. This time, the game will be at AT&T Stadium. They played in Tampa last year, and that was a heck of a game. Of course, the Bucks won that one. Um, Tom Brady, 6-0 and against the Cowboys in his career. Um, here's hoping that Dallas can, can turn the tide there. But what do you think of that opener for the Dallas Cowboys, that a team that not a lot of people are expecting them to be as good as last year? Mark Cooper's gone. Lyle Collins is gone. You know, those are the mm-hmm. two main players that left the building. Do you think that this Dallas team can can – stay in contention against the team like Tampa that is returning, you know, a bulk of that Super Bowl squad back? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to come in there with a great scheme. I think they got to get back to playing old school football, which is where they was running it, uh, running even with eight in the box. I think Zeke has proven he can done that. He did that the first couple of years into his league. 
Um, I think they got to get back to what they were known for doing, which is run, run, and then play play action off of it and um, having some playmakers down the field. And, um, it'll be interesting to see because I know t- Tampa Bay defense with Todd Bowles ain't much change there. Um, Keon O'Neill is over there now. Um, he was with the Cowboys at once and over at Tampa Bay now. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I have to keep watching. I'm going to keep looking at Dallas. I'm going to keep studying them. And um, hopefully I can get you a good answer here. But I think right now, I think Tampa's coming back pretty strong. Brady's coming back with revengeance. And I think he's going to prove something before he goes out officially. Um, <laughs> Which nobody uh, knows when that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, hey, maybe that's a great one to watch. But I'm, I'm thinking Bucks might be able to still sneak it or sneak a pull away one. Hey, well, bro, I'm telling you what, JJ, you know, um, keeping this podcast going, man, it only gets more fun when the season comes because then, like, you know, Jarrell Worthy, another one of my buddies in the NFL, you know, when he joins the show, I had James and Head of a Go join the show, you know, Arthur Motes, all these other uh, NFL players. I mean, it, it really gets fun during the season because we start to give our game picks on a week-to-week basis. And so I'm looking forward now, again, unless – you could be signed somewhere, and I'm hoping, bro, <laughs> that you get your look. You know what I mean? I hope yeah. you get your look. But if for some reason you're still out there, free agent, we'll have you on the show. We'll get to get into some of these matchups, talk, you know, position battles. And it's going to be a blast, man, when the season gets closer um, to September. So I, I can't wait, man. Now it's just that stretch of, of mini camps, and then we'll have that gap for training camp. And then before we know it, bro, we'll be kicking off the 2022 NFL season. Um. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, uh, like you say, uh, hopefully here in the next few weeks or months here, um, things will pick up on my end. And if not, you can definitely look forward to me. I've been enjoying it. Me and my family have been enjoying it, getting back and, you know, put me back in an atmosphere where I can, you know, thrive, which is talk football. I can talk football literally all day long. So I appreciate you and what you've done for me over these last few weeks. Hey, man, not a problem. It's a pleasure to have you on, bro. Like I said, always been a fan of you as a, as a, as a player. And, of course, you are you got great things going on right now in your life, family, man. And so um, a lot of respect to you, bro, and what you're accomplishing on and off the field. And look forward to continuing to have you, man, on the show. You, you provide that player insight, and I think that's something that's very well appreciated. And this show is only going to get better, man, moving forward. So, um, as always, I appreciate your time, JJ. I look forward to – to getting you back on the show next week. Thank you. I've been looking forward to it. All right, bro. Take care and God bless. All right, you too.